Hello, it's Matt Weaver with BibleTruthProject.com here with another episode. Um, today I'm going to be discussing um, kind of the subject of truth. It's something I've been thinking about a lot the last while. And especially uh, kind of a review, if you will, of the um, Mahoney film that I hadn't watched before on the Sinai. Uh, or not Sinai, I'm sorry. Moses Controversy. There's the one I'm looking for. So I'm going to look at that today and um, just kind of discuss kind of my thoughts and, and, and some of these discussions. So I thought the film was exceptionally well done. Um, again, a great, great film by Mahoney. He actually here in a couple days is going to have another release on The Crossing. And then in May, he has the second part of The Crossing. Um, there's one Egyptian perspective and there's one Jewish, uh, Jewish perspective. And I think that part is... Um, interesting um, to consider. So I think basically you have um, this this series of films, let's just call it, so you have the Exodus case was the first one, which basically is discussing the patterns of evidence um, for the Exodus. And then the next one is um, Moses. So he's dealing with the reality of Moses and the reality of Hebrew, which is the Hebrew argument. That's a, a massive debate. And it kind of, I guess for myself, it, it was, there's a lot of questions involved in um, a film like that because he's dealing with a lot of different people, a lot of different scholars, different academic traditions, academic backgrounds. And it begs the question, you know, what really is going on? Like, what really is um, happening in the world of... Um, scholarship that they're so I guess consumed with um, dis disregarding the Bible but not only that is it's so subjective there's so much conjecture as to whether something is evidence for a biblical narrative or not like I give an example like the whole uh, um, what's it Jericho there we go just you have Jericho. Jericho is one of these cities that Catherine Kenyon excavated in '52. Her conclusion was basically, nope, there's no evidence for the Israelite destruction as described by the Bible. There is a destruction layer, but it's in a different time period. And experts will simply, depending what you're trying to find, well, it's a different time period, but there is evidence, but it's a different time period. Well, maybe look at the time frame. Maybe the time periods aren't quite right. Not saying you have to prove the Bible right, but what makes what makes an individual think that a specific time set is the only time set possible for a specific event? And it, and it just opens this can of worms. What is the proper way to discern truth? What is the proper way to understand what truth is? Because is science truth? Because science is, science is so subjective. Science is so... Uh, interpretation-based. I mean, we call it science, but there's so many different opinions on a specific matter. I mean, you can... Um, I don't know what's a great example of it. I mean, there's things we understand and observe and we can track, but we put so much faith in science, and science itself is a philosophy. It's a man-made thinking system by which we interpret the world. What if there is a whole different way to see the world that we don't see simply because we're human and we can only see in the three dimensions. What if there's five, six, seven, ten, fifteen dimensions that's actually playing all of the background um, background to the world we know, we just simply see in three dimensions. These are the things 
it's kind of backwards. Like you, you have science, which you can observe, you hear, you know, touch, taste, smell, I guess you will. It uses the senses and it comes up with reasonable conclusions. That's the argument. But at the same time, reasonable conclusion of science is that there is no God because we can't see him, because we can't touch him, because we can't feel him. That's a reasonable conclusion, according to science. And at the same time, there is no other realms that we can see. There might be, you can hypothesize, but in the clear definition of science, you can't uh, prove that because we haven't gone there. So you have this estimation, you have this hypothesis, you're exploring the realities. You know, scientists are hypothesizing, but you can't truly say and prove via the scientific method that that's the way it is. Same thing goes with the creation of man. Man is, you know, is a mammal by all by all just pure looking at the the, the question you'd say he's a primate you know he's he's in the ape family and and that's a reasonable conclusion because those are the closest animals to mankind yet there's light years of difference between apes and humans and how do you reconcile that are we just really advanced apes are we just smart animals or are we actually is there more at play and that's where a lot of people will say well you know, like in the line of, of religion, you know, you have all these different opinions. You have different Abrahamic religions. I mean, Abraham is a guy who lived 3,500 plus years ago in the middle of a desert. Um, I mean, he came from Ur of the Chaldees. He went to uh, Haran up in Turkey, and then he came down to Canaan. And what makes us think that his God, the God that he worshipped, which is, the, which is, you could argue, is the desert God El, uh, what makes you think, you know, or the Canaanite God ill, I mean, there's a desert and Canaanite kind of connotation. What makes us think that that's the correct God in, in a world that there's thousands of names for God? Um, that makes some people speculate in the idea that, well, there's there's many paths to God. All, you know, all these different religions are describing the same being, that there's this supreme being we, we understand as, as God, and this is that expression and that expression. Yet... That isn't exactly true because it does describe different gods. Different religions don't all describe the same God. For instance, um, the Judeo-Christian view of God is biblical-based. And then you have the Muslim view of God, which is based on the Prophet Muhammad and his his interpretation of what God is. And those are the Abrahamic faiths. And then you have uh, you know, the... The Hindu version, where all these different entities are gods, literally hundreds of them, and we worship different entities, and and then you have the Japanese and the you know the Shinto and the Taoism, and there's just all these different religions who reference higher beings. But is there any consistency in this? Can't how do we know that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel? Um, which by declaring that, I believe it 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 it, it, it alienates. Uh, Islam, because Islam doesn't believe in the God of Israel in that sense. They believe that he, you know, Islam is the ultimate expression, I guess. I'm not an expert in is Islam and Muslim, so if I'm butchering it, you know, my apologies. I'm not, not trying to, uh, I'm just not an expert in that field. I know a lot about Judaism. I know a lot about Christianity. That's my study of expertise. But as I understand it, Islam has come hundreds of years after Christianity and Judaism. Its roots are there, but it acknowledges more of the Arab traditions of Ishmael, and Ishmael being the promised son, etc. So it there's elements of biblical truth, but it sidelines 
the biblical narrative. It sidelines the, the promise through Isaac and Israel and the prominence of Israel, etc. So there's a controversy in that, but that's not the focus of today. It just tells you there's all these different things. And then on top of that, within Christianity, and I mentioned this uh, on Sunday, that you have literally 55,000 denominations that they're estimating to be here in the next five years. By the time we hit 2025, we're going to have 55,000 denominations within Christianity. Within Judaism, you probably have 30, 40 flavors of different types of Jews. Um, anything from, you know, you have your, um, you know, Chabad, you have your conservative, you have your um, Hasidic, and you know, just conservative and reformed. And you, you, there's, there's the same thing as in Christianity. You have a lot of different uh, denominations. And so basically, what is truth? So I've laid the case of all of these different questions, and these are all legitimate questions in the world. And... They're not just the easiest to answer. All of them have legitimate questions and concerns. And how do we reconcile all this? You know, and it's it's like one can say, well, it's this or that or this or that. Well, that's conjecture. That's opinion. There's opinion here. There's opinion there. And what you'll find is you have all these thousands of different opinions in the world. And how do you know that what we believe in and what an individual believes in is the truth? And it kind of brings me to the point of, this self-righteousness. Uh, there's probably a, a, a teaching I want to do sometime in the in the future, near future, on self-righteousness, because this is the, the state at which we're at as, as a culture, as a world, as we all assume our own um, concept of right is the correct definition of right. And that in, in and of itself means that I think I'm right. That's the very definition of self-righteousness, that I think I am right. That's self-righteousness. Anytime that I hold my opinion greater than the opinion of God is self-righteousness. Now, that's difficult because you have faith and you have to be persuaded and you have hope. But that means truth is not our interpretation. Truth is actually something else. Truth is actually uh, a much greater thing. And I'm just going to go to a verse when... Uh, when Jesus was standing before Pilate, you know, the Romans also had, you know, polytheism. They had all these different understandings, etc. Let me see if I can find this real quick. Just bear with me. So I found the reference, and it's in the in the book of John. But th this is this is so profound because of all the context I've given you. You know, there's there's a like an individual I know constantly is like, you know, this L L is you know this Canaanite god, and how how can this be the god of Israel because it's I got El and his vizier was Baal. Well, if you know the context of, of the Canaanite religion, you know, that it has, um, I guess, elements in it that acknowledge that the high god El. And um, not only El, but you have Baal. And Baal was one of these principal deities in Israel that was a stumbling block to the children of Israel for a long time. So you have this competing religion that's close, kind of close in one way and yet very different in other ways. Uh, I mean, obviously, they sacrificed children. They sacrificed all sorts of things that God never asked his people to sacrifice. But we have in this kind of the picture, again, a figment of truth, but not quite right. You know, what makes us think that the Israelite religion is better than the Canaanite religion? What makes us think that the Israelite religion is better than the Egyptian religion? And this is the 
eons old debate in the world of academia for or against God or which God or that's why so many times scholars will just become agnostics because they can't just with their reasoning and their mind, they can't grasp the reality that out of all of these messaging, even though they know that probably there is a God, how can all of these religions be wrong and only one right? How is that even possible? Uh, it, it just seems impossible for a human. But this is where we have to just look. The difference, the standout of Yeshua. See, I, I put forth that truth is not a concept or a principle by which we, or an understanding that we have. Truth is actually a person, and, it's, and, it, is, and it is God himself. He is truth, because he is reality. Outside of him, there is no truth, there is no reality. So he is reality, and he is truth. Not only that, Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, the life. So, he declares himself to be the truth. So Jesus is the truth. Now, when he was standing in front of Pilate, and that's a profound statement. Let me just tell you, I just laid out a very miserable picture of all the opinions and ideas that are in this world. And everybody thinks they're right. But I'm going to submit to you that it isn't about people's opinions and ideas. It is about a person. And there is one person who is right, not all of these people and individuals and ideas. It is a person who is right. It's a, um, I say this sometimes, like some people think that, oh, you know a lot. That must mean you, you have a, a pride issue or, you know, you're, you're condescending, um, you know, condesc I've been accused of that, you know, kind of coming across condescendingly or whatever. And it, it, it's people have, um, it, and it isn't that, but it's sometimes that people can be self-absolved and self-absorbed. And in their minds, they can see that they are so right and think they are so right. And I'm not really pointing fingers. I'm just saying this is a, a human reality. Sometimes we think we are so right that we can, we can totally not grasp the reality that somebody else actually has another view of the same object of truth. So say, for instance, let's use an example, cell phones. Depending which angle you view the cell phone. Let's say, say I have a, we have a meeting and there's a round table. In the middle of and I, I lay a cell phone. Everybody sitting around that table is going to have a slightly different view of the same object. And that object is, let's say, it's the truth. It's the reality of it's a cell phone. That's what it is. But everybody's going to describe it as a different, slightly different shape. It's going to, because of the, of the perspective angle, they're going to slightly describe it in a different look. But it's going to have a similar effect. Well, such it is when we observe Jesus, we get a snapshot, and the more I, the more you surround the object of discussion, the more fuller the picture is of the fullness of the being. That is how I interpret things. So oftentimes when people come to me and want to challenge me with an alternate view, I don't take that as my view is wrong, their view is right. Many times their view is simply another angle and it gives me a better picture of the whole. That is how you find balance and truth. So it's not about me knowing all these things. It's not about me having the keys of knowledge and I understand all things because that's, that's not it. It's simply learning from other people's perspectives to gain a better view of the truth. And it's a skill. Let me tell you, that is a skill because it is far easier in our human nature to just simply want 
to uh, lay hold of our opinions and believe that we are right in our opinions. And that is the epitome of self-righteousness. So let me just start here in John chapter 18, uh, verse 33. Jesus is speaking about his kingdom. So Pilate went back to the praetorium, called for Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Are you saying this on your own, Yeshua said, or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and ruling Kohanim, the priests, handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting, so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Judean leaders. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. So Pilate said to him, Are you a king then? Yeshua answered, You say that I am a king. For this reason I was born. For this reason I came into the world, so that I may testify to the truth. Now, I want you to see this. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And after he said this, he went out again to the Judean leaders and said to them, I find no case against him. You know, I think Pilate understood what is truth. All these opinions, all these ideas, all these, you know, what is it? And standing before him, was the very embodiment of truth, which is the source of all things. Jesus, as the creator of the world, according to the Bible, is truth. He is the source of all things. There is nobody else in this world who ever lived as a human who makes the claim as being the creator of the world. Not a, not a human. No. Not, not a human. Jesus is said he created the world. He came to his own, his own received him not. Own received him not. Sorry, my apologies. Looked up that reference here real quick, and that's just in fifth, uh, Colossians 1.16. Paul makes this case about Jesus, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, the seen and the unseen, whether thrones or angelic powers or rulers or authorities, all was created through him and for him. He exists before everything, and in him all holds together. So notice notice that in him, it's everything is held together. He is the actual sovereign of the world. Jesus is. I mean, of course, the Father, uh, the, you know, the Father is, the Father and the Son are one. So by essence, they are, it's not separation, it's not separation, but he, but the Father created the world through the Son for the purpose of the Son. And that is something to understand. So Jesus, who is the Creator, who is one with the Father, so they both are creators. It's just a, it's just the way it works. It's a little bit like, I used the argument, I was discussing this issue of oneness. And there's a lot of people who hold to, a, you know, a oneness view of God, that God is echad, He is one. He is not many. He's not many gods. So Jesus, Yeshua, is not God. He is simply a man. He's maybe the greatest of men, but he is simply a man. Others hold to the idea that Jesus is, is God and that he is the current embodiment of God, is simply as the Son. But it makes no sense because there's, there's a several instances that proves that there are different parts. And the, the primary ones is when Jesus was baptized, he was on earth being baptized, the spirit, the ruach, descended in the form of a dove, embodied as a dove, if you will, 
And then you have the Father speaking out of heaven. So right there you have the adaptation of three yet unified. Uh, I always used to use the example, in nature we can see the three in one argument everywhere. It's like trees have roots, trunks, and leaves. There's three, three separate parts that make up the whole uh, object known as a tree. The same thing is, uh, it's, it's just everything. I mean, vines, you know, have roots, branches, and then fruit. You have, um, it's almost everything. Molecule, I mean, or atoms. Atoms, you have, you know, neuron, electrons, and protons. It's it's three in one. That imagery is everywhere. And it's, it's, it's simply, or egg, there's another one. You have the, the shell, the white, the yolk. Are they three individual eggs or are they one? Of course they're one. So God is complex in his unity. I don't, I don't, I don't think Trinity is the best description of God's complexity, his unity. I believe it does kind of put an emphasis on a individualism that is perhaps not, um, I would just be careful. I would say it that way. I do believe God is one. He is, and that is needs, it's very important, but he is three. He is one, but he is three. But the one is the greater emphasis. The unity, the complexity of unity is a is a more important issue than the individualism of the three entities. They are one. That is the most important part, but they are three. That's, to, I guess that's the way I would look at it. But in all of this, this is basically, you know, this is basically the, the things we deal with. I mean, these are the realities. Now, coming back to the issue of Moses' controversy, we've seen um, in this so many opinions, so many experts with PhDs studying the same material coming up with completely different conclusions. So who can you trust? They all think they're right. Well, in the greater scheme of things, that is difficult um, that is difficult to kind of comprehend and to wrap your head around because they're all doing different things. I mean, what do you do with that? Everyone's saying they're right and they're all different. Well, then who's right? And this is this nature. Now, I think, you know, when we look at this grand scheme of things in truth, we're looking at an individual. I mean, it's part of the reason I've gone to Israel as many times as I have, been there half a dozen times, been to Jordan three times, been to Egypt once, been to Saudi Arabia now once. So I've I've seen most, I mean, I've been to Turkey, I just haven't seen the, the ancient sites yet. But I've been to all the Old Testament sites. And what causes me to put my faith in the, the Hebrew God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this ancient God who, you know, these people thousands of years ago believed in. Um, what, why, why do I believe in him? Why should I believe in him? He doesn't show himself embodied. But when you understand the full picture, you understand what's going on. And you see, this is the part that you can never understand with an academic mind. It's impossible. You'll never know the things of God using academics. You, you just won't. You will not understand it. He hides them from the wise for that very sake, and he reveals them to people who really don't have a business knowing them. Jesus glorified the Father, saying that he, he, was, he was so happy that these nobodies were seeing the truth, and these ever, the everybodies couldn't get the picture, couldn't see it. They wanted signs. They wanted this. They wanted that. This is, a, this is one of these things. It's... The king, to understand God and to understand what his plans are, you have to become a child, not an expert. You have to become a child. So, 
it's it, it's one of those things that is it's difficult to grasp. We don't like the idea of being children, and that's something we don't want. But it is it is that reality. Um, it is that reality that I think is you know we 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 have to get a hold of it. We have to grasp. We to become like children is to understand the majesty of God, not to fill our heads with questions in that sense. But it's natural to ask questions. So coming back to the, kind of bringing a conclusion to this episode, sorry, it's I know it's a lot of different thoughts and maybe your head hurts with all the different questions and angles and views, but these are things that I ask myself and at the end I come back to this reality. So I didn't have control of when I was born. I came into this world, understand, <coughs> excuse me, I understand that I am going to at some point face a conclusion to this phase of life. And just as I had no understanding of this world before I was born, I don't have a lot of understanding of life that is beyond the transition. And I choose to call it a transition because it is. I do not believe in the cessation of life or consciousness. I believe that God has created a soul, body, and spirit, and the spirit is... Um, once the consciousness begins, if I say it that way, our spirit is our consciousness, um, I don't believe there's an end to it, whether for good or for bad. I don't believe that uh, we, we are living beings, whether we're in the body or not. That is an idea and concept I'm thoroughly attested to in scriptures. Um, but in all of this, we have to ask ourselves the question, do we take the Bible literally or don't we? Do we take salvation literally or don't we? Do we understand the realities and the physical realities of God's word, or don't we? You see, the truth is a person. It's Jesus. We know that. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So, no man comes to the Father except through the Son. That is the plan that they've laid out from the foundation of the world. The Son is the express image of the Father, but He is a human. He came to earth. His consciousness was put into a body. His body grew into a man. And even though he was from, his spirit was from days of eternity, according to the Bible, he walked in the life cycle of a man. And not only that, he resurrected and he is a human. That is, it is just astounding that God could pull this off. And that is the difference between Christianity and every other religion. You have a human who is God. God himself became man. He became a human. And it is mind-blowing. And he is the truth. He is the way. He is our brother in that he is a human. Yet he is our God. And he is one with the Father who is the Creator who is the high God, and is saying with the Spirit, which is the, the under, the Spirit moves and does the under underworkings of, of creation. All of these little interesting facts and details and stuff, and it might bore you to tears to think about it, but I think of all of this as just magnificent complexity. Um, you know, in the, in the, in the film... Uh, the conclusion is basically, you know, it would appear that Joseph was also the founder of the Hebrew language. 
and uh, was one, created, one who created, used the alphabet to create the characters needed to write out what Hebrew is, and it would make sense. And I think, just with my understanding, I mean, Tim Mahoney is a is he he's very balanced. He thinks a lot the way I think, and in his films, he reaches reaches conclusions in, in similar ways. He's taking all the the views and he's balancing out the ideas. But at the end of the day, it's like you understand that there is a way to explain this that is logical and it makes sense. And not everybody is going to agree about it. But what is the truth? The truth is a person. It is Jesus. And ultimately, in that film series, you're going to see, you know, the crossing, you're going to see, and I've been to the crossing sites, um, in Nueva, etc. And then I've been over in Saudi Arabia, been to the mountain of God. I mean, I, I have been on the mountain that God thundered and gave the law to humanity. And it's one of the, one of the highlights of my life. I mean, going to Israel is definitely up there. But going to the mountain of God where he made covenant with his people for the first time is, is an honor I will never, ever forget. But in all of this, it's pursuing truth. It's, and I made this statement at church, and different people commented to me afterward. We are not here. Um, we, we are here. How would how I, I word this? So basically, we do not put God in our box. We change the way we think into into his uh, reality. So we don't make Jesus like us. We become like him. We don't we don't view Jesus in our truth. We submit to his truth. This is the reality of self-righteousness. It isn't our way. Our way of thinking is 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 very uh, corrupt. It is. It, it is not capable of seeing the truth of God. But when we submit to the reality of the truth, which is Jesus, when we submit to that, the author of truth um, is the Holy Spirit. He, the Spirit of Truth, reveals Himself to us, and we begin to see a picture that you can never figure out in academics. The greatest academic in the world is as hopeless and lost in finding truth as anybody in the world. If he does not have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Truth, and that is the ultimate source. Whether the Bible is legitimate or not hinges entirely on the power of the Spirit. It has nothing to do with linguistics, has nothing to do with etymology, it has nothing to do with that. It is the power of it that demonstrates the validity of what is written, not the other way around. We can't trust the Bible just because the Bible says to trust it. We trust the Bible because there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power through the Holy Spirit to change lives. And there is power and it changes. It manifests himself through us and in us and to us in all these different ways. The power of it is what makes it true, not because it has been written flawlessly and nobody has an argument. It's the power of it that proves the truth. And that is the reality of the good news. The good news is the power of God that brings us to salvation, which is the understanding of truth. Hopefully that is an encouragement for you today. Um, it's, for me, just wrestling with these realities. I understand the scientific ideology. I understand the philosophy element. I understand all those things, but also fully am aware of the, the, the weakness of the human mind in grasping the reality of who God is.
So blessings to you all. Have, have a blessed day and look forward to updating in the future.